The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast at paulkuharski.com. We are brought to you, as always, by Yazoo Brew. Uh, they've got something for everybody. If you are coming to Nashville for the draft or if you are in Nashville for the draft, this is the beer you must be drinking. It's on tap. Uh, it's in bottles. It's even now some of it in cans. They're going to have it wherever you are. Please order it up. Feel free to tell them. You heard about them from us. I'm pleased to be joined today by Kyle Krabs, uh, a great draft analyst who you'll find on Twitter at Grinding the Tape. He's also part of the Draft Network, a site uh, I like a lot that you should check out. He's there with John Ledyard, Joe Marino, Benjamin Solak, Brad Kelly. Anybody I'm missing, Kyle, on your roster? Uh, Trevor Sikema. There you go. That's a, a heck of a group. Uh, how'd you guys all come to be together? Yeah, it's uh, really, really fortunate to have so many like-minded guys with their own individual views and spectrums of the game and, and what it's supposed to look like. Uh, this time last year, I was running my own small time outfit, had been working uh, kind of independent contractor in, in media and scouting for four or five years. And uh, somebody who happened to know Trevor was interested in, in getting in started in, in sports media and investing. And they called me up and said, would you be interested in being a part of this new project? And next thing I know, my, my small time project's been absorbed into this much larger, more ambitious project where uh, we, we want to provide football fans the opportunity to not just hear us talk about what we feel of, of players and, you know, but to let them see the things that we see and make up their mind for themselves if they think it's important because it's been a process that this is my sixth year in NFL draft coverage and you learn a lot by trial and error, especially if you're not within a building in the NFL and then learning specifically and applying things specifically to how teams are applying them to their own schemes and ideas. So it's been a really fun journey for me to get to this point in my professional career where the draft network, you know, we, we treat it just like the teams do. It's a 12 month process, the preliminary, you know, film with the players over the summer, you make your assessments throughout the, the fall, you get a chance to meet a lot of these guys at the all-star games. Uh, and then obviously culminating with the draft process itself. Well, if you haven't checked out the site, you'll get a good taste here from Kyle of, of the kind of things that are on there. But what I like most and what I think a lot of my listeners, readers will like uh, right now, I'm say on Christian Wilkins page uh, and you just scroll down analysts reports uh, and there's Marino's report, you know, which has what eight categories. And then you click on crabs and there's Kyle's report, which has, you know, eight eight or nine or 10 categories of his own. Um, and then you click on Ledger's report. And so boom, uh, and they don't all look at things exactly the same way. You might not have a bend slash flexibility category on your report. Uh, but I see that there's one on Ledger's report. So you see three guys reports with 10 to 12 categories each on the things that they feel are important to look at. 
in uh, an interior defensive lineman like Christian Wilkins. And I think you come away with, uh, you know, in a five-minute read there of a very good sense of what three guys think. You see where they agree, where they disagree, how they have him rated, and uh, you can get a very digestible meal on, on one guy there in five minutes at one site. Um, what I've asked Kyle to do here, um, because we could go at this a billion different ways, and we know the typical way people go at this tends to get rather boring, where I rattle off a name and he tells me what he thinks of the name. I asked him if he could give some consideration ahead of our conversation to the Titans' key four spots of need. Outside linebacker, where they have to amp up the pass rush. Defensive line, where the, the help uh, beside Jarrell Casey is insufficient. Interior offensive line, where they obviously need a right guard and or a center. And wide receiver, which is a perpetual position of need for the Titans. I asked him, and he's got lists ready for us. Who is available in his eyes at number 19 in the first round at those positions who would be a, uh, a, a fit? for what the Titans do and need? And then who does he see as potential um, fits at those positions, say in the middle of the draft and maybe later in the draft? So I guess you could say almost in this conversation, he's going to build for us a little board of people he considers available early, middle, late for the Titans who would fit their four major needs. And hopefully you'll come out of this conversation, you and I, smarter on uh, some of these prospects. So I got that right, Kyle? Yes, sir. I'm ready to rock. All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, – let's stick with that order. Outside linebacker, defensive line, interior offensive line, wide receiver. We'll start here uh, at 19. Give me who you think the Titans have a legitimate shot at at outside linebacker if they stay put at 19? Sure. Uh, I've got a name, and I have a best-case scenario in case there's a little slide here. So uh, Cleland Furl from Clemson is a name who a lot of people associate as being strictly a three-point stance, four-three defensive end. But Clemson used him a fair amount to flex him out into space in certain opportunities, match-up specific opportunities. I had a chance to watch three Clemson games and scout three Clemson games live over the course of the last two years. And there were some sparing reps where he was moved around a little bit. And I think his release off the line of scrimmage is just as good out of a two point stance as it is out of a three point stance. He's not a pure speed rusher. So if you're looking for speed on both sides of the ball or both sides of the line of scrimmage, obviously Harold Landry, the signing of Cameron Wake is really exciting for the short term but if you want more speed, Farrell's not necessarily going to be your guy. But I like his length. I like his usage with his hands where he's able to win at first contact, but he's also able to stack guys and then shed offensive tackles as well. He's pretty pretty crafty with his pass rush plan. So I think there's a lot of technical pieces of Cleveland Farrell's game that would allow him to be an effective 3-4 outside linebacker. Just not a guy you want to drop off into space a whole lot. But the best case scenario is Brian Burns from Florida State. Now, there's there's people like myself. Burns is one of the top five players in this draft class. There's you see teams a lot of times they get more gun shy, especially at the top of the draft, when a player doesn't meet that prototypical threshold. And Burns, who bulked up to to come to the NFL Combine at 249, that's not a prototypical size. That's not ideal size. He's ideally like a guy that's in the mid 255s at the lowest. Uh, but Burns, to me, 
is speed, length, and he has the best pass rush palette out of any pass rusher in the class, bar none, including Nick Bosa. I am very, very impressed with Brian Burns, his ability to set up offensive tackles. I had the chance to talk to him on our podcast at the Draft Network Draft Dudes, and that was what our entire conversation was focused on because I felt it was pretty apparent on film, asking him, what is your preparations like? How do you set up, how do you watch film to determine what your keys are depending on game situations down and distance? And how do you craft that pass rush plan and the detail that he provided and went into and watching him as he goes through some of his counters and his ability to string his moves together to ensure that he may beat a guy initially, but that offensive tackle is not going to be able to reset his hands and get back on his body makes him very, very difficult to block especially with how flexible and fast he is in short spaces. So best case scenario, Brian Burns is on the board at 19, but your best bet at outside linebacker for who I think realistically will be on the board is Clemson's Cleveland Farrell. Let me follow up with a couple on here. You list, I'm looking at your report on Burns, you list his worst trait as run defending. Titans very concerned with the all-around play from these guys. How much of an issue there was it? Was it de-emphasized? Was this a system where they said, "Hey, stop the run on your way to the quarterback"? Was it something he didn't prioritize because uh, obviously sacks are, are the route to to getting drafted high? Uh, how, how do you think he addresses that going forward? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to his ability to keep his weight on his frame. Uh, there was another hot name midway through the season in the beginning of the draft process at the end of the college season, uh, Ja'Kai Polite from Florida, who uh, played at a heavier weight than what Brian Burns did. But I thought Burns, as these two guys being kind of pure speed rushers, I thought he did a better job extending and squaring to set the edge and playing outside in. But he was playing at like 230. So Ja'Kai Polite was a guy who played at between 246 and 248 from what I was told Burns plays the run better than he did but he was playing at a lighter weight so it's just going to be a matter for Burns of keeping the weight on so that your functional strength allows you to hold your ground he wasn't getting washed out of place he wasn't conceding a lot of distance off the line of scrimmage it was just once he squared that he had a hard time pressing that offensive tackle back in and closing that gap. He was somebody who would hold his ground, not force ground and close gaps. And again, playing at 230 pounds, he just really needs to stick as close to 250 as humanly possible. One dud isn't going to poison an entire pool, but we say Clemson in Nashville and automatically everybody says, well, Kevin Dodd was uh, an incredibly large bust as a guy who would have the Titans. If he had panned out, not so desperately seeking a pass rusher here. Um, how much is Farrell not like? Uh, I think he's pretty different than Dodd. Dodd coming out was a player that, I was actually quite low on. I thought they overdrafted Kevin Dodd. Dodd really thrived off of easy reps, uncontested challenges. And uh, I, I was not anywhere near as enamored with Dodd's ability to 
physically challenge blockers with his hands and then discard bodies. And it seems like the Clemson defensive end stigma kind of has followed a few guys to the pros and they get, they get the same thing in Buffalo with, with Shaq Lawson, who has not materialized as well. And I, I think just taking each one of these guys on a case by case basis is really important. And I think there's technical sides and physicality components of Cleveland Furrow's game that are much, much more advanced than what you had with Kevin Dodd. Let's go defensive line, uh, 19 possibilities for the Titans to help Jarrell Casey. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, we referenced Christian Wilkins already. I think uh, he's kind of in that fringe. It depends on what happens with Ed Oliver. If Ed Oliver slides into the early teens, I think there's a really realistic chance that Wilkins gets to 19 because uh, the Cleveland Browns having traded out of 17, that was a pairing that I really liked a lot. And obviously them no longer being there on the Giants and some of their, their needs at the edge and quarterback position opens up this avenue for Christian Wilkins to be there. Uh, Wilkins is a pretty diverse guy. He's 315 pounds. They played him at base end. They played him in the A-gaps. They had him twisting and stunting and, and peeling off the edge. And he's really, really diverse. And I love that about him. And he's one of the hardest playing football players of any player at any position that I've scouted in this, this year's draft period. Uh, the, the guy's is a star starting defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers. And he's out there on the punt team. It's just awesome to, to see a guy that is, is so enthusiastic. And uh, again, I was, I was up uh, in Boston this year for Boston college and that was a cold football game. And, and he was really one of the tone setters there making a lot of plays outside the hashes and outside the numbers for Boston College, they tried to, to pound Clemson up the middle and it didn't work. So they, they were trying to do a lot of misdirection type stuff. And it, it didn't phase Wilkins. He has that kind of range where he can get outside the numbers. And anytime that you've got a defensive lineman, particularly a big body, he's, like I said, 315, that has that kind of lateral mobility where he's still making plays along the line of scrimmage, I think that's a really attractive fit. The question here. Uh, for the, the Titans, really, is with his length, uh, are they going to prioritize length over the functional strength and versatility that he has? Because he's a little bit better when he's able to push through gaps instead of stacking guys up. So that will just kind of be a, a philosophical question that the Titans have to ask themselves with Christian Wilkins. But he will be, I think, the best defense, interior defensive lineman who will be there for the Titans at 19. You got anybody else in mind there? Or you want to jump on to a uh, interior offensive line? I would just give a nod, kind of a sleeper nod. I know this is, I promise I'm going to talk about more guys than Clemson Tigers, but De- Dexter fine. Lawrence, the sure. nose tackle. Uh, it seems like the league's a little bit higher on him than a lot of the media types. And I really like Dexter, you know, coming into 2018, I was down on Lawrence a little bit versus his reputation, but apparently played through a number of injuries throughout the course of 2017. I thought he looked much more uh, dynamic. And he's a three down guy. That's, that's my question at 19. You got to get a three down guys. Yeah. Three down. Right. Right. So he's, I mean, at 340 pounds, I'd love to see him cut 10 pounds off his frame and, and really see if he can't, I mean, he ran five Oh five in the 40. So he's pretty explosive at 340 pounds. Uh, And he's got super long arms. So he is a guy that, it has a lot of power. He can collapse the pocket. 
he's not going to be a finesse rusher, but I think he can get the job done, but probably not a guy that you have on the field in third and 15. Yeah. All right, let's go interior offensive line. Uh, Titans need a right tackle, but they certainly could draft a center. Um, you know, and most, most of those guys are going to be able to play both, but they, they could draft a center, kick Ben Jones over if they wanted. He's got a year left. Seems like he's a fixture. Uh, already uh, brought in Roger Saffold, who, who's going to play left guard almost undoubtedly. Um, if they wanted to go high here, um, is Garrett Bradbury worth it? Is that where you start? I, I certainly think Bradbury is a name that's in consideration. Uh, Bradbury, for me, my only concern is his functional strength. You know, when you play him in lateral situations, he's phenomenal. You know, NC State ran a ton of outside zone, and you see him making reach blocks on three techniques where he's got to come off his guard's hip and kind of work his body around the face of defensive linemen. Really, really good in that area, but he can give up some space before he's able to set himself and, and get established. And I think more powerful, more explosive defensive linemen, uh, if you're not running exclusively outside zone, can give him some trouble if he's not going to be given some help with his guards. Uh, so uh, there are, there's Bradbury's one of the names that I did have listed. I think he's a very, very good football player. He's one of the top 40 players in the draft class, as far as I'm concerned. But I did want to talk about two other names that I think are attractive fits for the Titans because they're athletic, but they're, they also have some more anchor to their game. Chris Lindstrom from Boston college being one, uh, he played right guard. So we've, we've talked about right guard and centers, potential openings for the Titans and, uh, he's got really good play strength, and he tested almost as well as Garrett Bradbury did in every single test at the NFL Combine, which was a little surprising because Bradbury comes in with this huge reputation. And Lindstrom, coming out of Boston College, you're expecting him to kind of be a road grader and a mauler and a straight-ahead guy. But no, he, he's quite good in lateral situations as well, and uh, he's got some nice reach to his game. His arms are over 34 inches, so... Uh, he can play with his hands extended out away from his body and, and showcase himself in that regard. And then the other interior offensive lineman I wanted to talk about was Eric McCoy from Texas A&M, who I think can play center. I think he can play guard. Uh, he's kind of a, a slight step down from Bradbury as far as his lateral mobility, but his functional strength, I think, is much cleaner for a guy that if he's going to get isolated on one-on-one situations against interior offensive linemen, I think he'll hold up a little bit better as far as his anchor and his ability to stay on the line of scrimmage and not force uneven levels with his blockers uh, as he's trying to get his hands set and get in body position. So, so if Tennessee really wants to marry themselves to a ton of outside zone, then Garrett Bradbury is a perfectly fine choice at center. And, or if you want to leave, leave some help in with your guards, but if you want to get these guys on an Island a little bit more and, maybe have a little bit more versatility in your running game. Lindstrom or McCoy are two names that stand out. And I think they're both going to be available at 19. And I think they're good value at 19. Yeah. They have talked about uh, being a core outside zone team, obviously Saffold good at that. Obviously Derek Henry should be good at that. Uh, But I don't know if they want to be exclusively that. Uh, side note for everybody listening, and we've discussed this a lot on my site, but uh, uh, Lindstrom, obviously they have huge insight into as Tyler Vrabel is an offensive lineman at Boston College, and Mike Vrabel hired Boston College's 
strength and conditioning coach just a couple months ago as the Titans' new strength and conditioning coach. They will have super insight into Lindstrom if and when uh, they're considering him. And it's conceivable that he lasts until 51 if they hold off um, until making their pick. Wide receiver, no clear-cut number one in this draft, or uh, we'd, we'd be talking about him, uh, and he'd probably be gone before 19. Titans always need help at wide receiver. Spent the fifth overall pick on Corey Davis just two years ago. Signed Adam Humphreys, uh, a sure-handed uh, slot guy. Uh, but if you're looking for help for a Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Taewon Taylor, Delaney Walker receiving core for Marcus Mariota, and you wanted to do it at 19, where would you turn? Yeah, I think you're going to have a couple options here, uh, but none really stood out to me as being the complimentary piece for the Titans wide receivers. Corey Davis, I was very, very high on. I actually regarded him in similar uh, light to what the Titans did with how highly they drafted him. I thought he was a phenomenal football player. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, he's, he's fast and explosive enough. Uh, and, and I think as a volume receiver, I would love to see him continue to get more and more targets. Uh, but I look at this wide receiver group, and I would really love to add somebody with some speed on the outside. Uh, a, a guy a prototypical Z receiver, Corey Davis, that big body. Uh, he's fairly dynamic, but he's not a vertical threat per se. Uh, would love to get somebody across from him that can prevent teams from rolling their coverage into and crowding Corey Davis's space. Adam Humphreys as a slot guy will help a lot. But this was the one position group where I really struggled to find a player that made a lot of sense early. You know, you mentioned there is no consensus wide receiver. I think the best receiver that will be available will be Nikhil Harry, but he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Corey Davis, where he's a bigger body guy. He's, he's got some run after the catch potential, but he's not a burner. And I, I think it's a little too redundant to look that way. So the best pass catching option that I could come up with was potentially Noah Fant, the tight end, from Iowa, and uh, he's a guy I think will spend a lot of time flexed out into the slot, can be a vertical seam buster threat, getting behind linebackers very, very quickly. I, I think grossly underutilized at Iowa. Explosive skill set, had one of the best uh, combine showings of a tight end in NFL combine history, and it shows on tape. You know, you turn on Ohio State from 2017, and he's running past uh, Jordan Fuller is a safety at Ohio State that's probably going to run uh, in the, the four fours next year. And he just blew past him like he was standing still. So not a, not a position group that I'm particularly enamored with for the Titans early on. Um, don't think the value will quite be there relative to some of these other positions. Yeah. I, I like that answer a lot based on what I know. And um I just wrote this recently, but uh, Mike Vrabel is saying at the combine, you know, listen, the transition takes time. I'm looking for immediate impact for the Titans right now. And so I'm thinking their best case scenario at wide receivers that Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, a first rounder, a third rounder from a couple of years ago, step up. Adam Humphreys gives immediate impact. Obviously Delaney Walker coming back. Should you count on things getting better there? 
There's some good wide receivers to look at later in this draft who can help them. I'm sure we're going to talk about some of them later, but uh, find an immediate impact guy at 19 and you'll do better at outside linebacker on the defensive line at interior offensive line. Don't force the issue at wide receiver where it seems to be a a pretty broad consensus that they're not going to find that kind of guy in this draft. I'm talking with Kyle Krabs at grinding the tape uh, on Twitter uh, writes at thedraftnetwork.com, which is a site that you need to check out. What we're going to do here, we're sponsored by Yazoo Brew in Nashville, Tennessee. Fine craft beer, something for everybody. You're going to love it if you haven't tried it. If you have tried it, I know you are a religious uh, Yazoo person. And as we often do, we're going to take a br- short break here and flip this over to the member's side. If you're not a member for the price of a nice cocktail, a nice beer, a nice cup of coffee, $5.99 a month, you can have access to the entire podcast. You can have access to Periscope and Facebook Lives that are for members only. You can have access to everything I write. You can have access to special guest articles by Blake Bettingfield, who was a scout for the Titans for 19 years. You're part of a private Facebook group where we have conversations amongst ourselves. You're missing out if you're not part of it. Recently, one of those private Periscope Facebook Lives was me and Matt LaFleur. You could have asked the Green Bay Packers coach questions and gotten called on by me. So you're missing out if you're not a member. I encourage you to join. You can get 12 months for the price of 11 Uh, So please seriously consider. Thanks for joining us. If you're not a member, go sign up. If you are a member, pause for a minute and we'll be right back. The Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. (laughs) 